Zimbraconda is a proud supporter of Wisconsin Badger Athletics. If you're looking to purchase, finance, or service a new or pre-owned Honda, buy local. Part of the Madison community since 1973, Zimbraconda's customer service is second to none. Experience it today for yourself. Shop local. Shop Zimbraconda. Live from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios, you're listening to The Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin On Demand. Alongside former UW Athletic Director Pat Richter, here's Alex Strofe. Another week in another edition of the Pat Richter Show right here on 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand for the final time in 2022. I'm Alex Strofe from the Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios, as always, alongside the man and the legend. He is the former athletic director of the University of Wisconsin. He is the great Pat Richter. Pat, a uh, early, premature Happy New Year to you, my friend. How are you? Well, happy New Year to you, and I guess we should say Healthy New Year anyway. Healthy New Year, yeah. I had yeah. to take last week off, but I'm recovered. <laughs> I like those guys. I think Tauscher and those guys are wearing you out. I think they are, too. Uh, uh, Tauscher and... Rutledge and Hamilton, those guys, uh, those guys put me to work. So uh, I'm 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 back at it though here on New Year's Eve. So a lot to get into. Pat, obviously, been a busy couple of weeks uh, in, in not only UW athletics but also with with the Green Bay Packers. Who we'll dive into in about a half an hour. But uh, for the eighth time in nine years, the Badgers have won a bowl game. They're only lost in that nine-year stretch, of course, the 2020 Rose Bowl. So uh, on Tuesday, Luke Fickle begins his era as the Wisconsin head coach, kind of, and uh, leads the Badgers to a 24-17 win over Oklahoma State in the guaranteed rate bowl. Chase Wolf, the quarterback, looked good. It was the send-off for Jim Leonard. A uh, lot of storylines in this game, so I'll kind of just give you the floor, Pat. What was your takeaway from Tuesday's guaranteed rate poll? And we can dive into some of those other headlines in a minute. I think you hit the nail on the head when you said it's a little bit everything in that game. It was started off; it was just kind of a blah, you know. And, I, and Mike Gundy uh, was generally got a kind of a good read, and he's uh, got a lot of publicity on him, and he's a very colorful guy. He just seemed like he was kind of resigned to the fact he didn't have some of his horses there and he was taking it easy, but he was just very calm about the whole thing. And I think what really kind of brought to come in front to me was the fact that early on, I think it was really very much intense and everybody wanted to show up in terms of hitting somebody and stopping somebody on a run back and things like this. And I think there was just a lot of energy in that uh, stadium for the Badgers. They wanted to show Luke Fickle that they could play, and and they wanted to play well for Jim. It was just so many diverging viewpoints and things like this that were going on. It was just really kind of an interesting, uh, interesting broadcast, which brings me. Beth Mullins, her voice gets me, uh, <laughs> kind of goes through my ears <laughs> really quick, but. Uh, <laughs> I thought she got around with Jerry McIntyre, I think it is. But uh, but it was it was an interesting game. It was uh, I think Chase Wolf uh, was all jacked up, and he was throwing the ball mostly like a sidearm or a baseball thrower. He was he really really gets a rip on the thing, and he was doing a good job. But I think overall, 
the defense was probably the uh, the highlight. And whereas Allen made a lot of yards and things like this, but I think everybody wanted to see what was going to happen with the dynamic of you know, Jimmy Leonard's last game and what's going to happen and things like this. And uh, it was kind of a fair, good farewell for him. I think if Torchia would have grabbed one, it would have been the pick six, and uh, that would have kept put a, a good lid on it, I think, with respect to Jimmy's tenure there. And now everybody's going to be waiting to see what happens. I think the interesting thing also is it was uh, uh, you had to kind of feel a little bit for Luke Fickle because he really wasn't quite sure what role to play there. I mean, he was supposedly the coach. Was he really the coach? I mean, it, was, it seemed like there were every time you looked at the uh, offensive coordinator calling plays, it looked like there was somebody standing next to him, maybe kind of one of the guys that's coming in that's going to kind of see what's going on. And uh, everybody was kind of auditioning, I think, and uh, and doing a little bit of internship work. And uh, but but I think that uh, Luke. Uh, Manage that process. It was sticky. I'm sure he's happy that it's over. Uh, he just was kind of looking for places to go and had a little bit of sheet of paper and a kind of small notepad or little piece of paper that he was probably had notes on it. He wanted to check and see how things were going in that regard. But I think that uh, after inviting Jim up on the stage and giving him his due, which I think was a good act, a good classy act that. Uh, show him the respect that he deserved and uh, go out and I was kind of mentioned to my wife I said if they win the game I said who's going to get the the Gatorade bath and I guess Jimmy was the one that got it I think everybody was probably didn't want to take a chance on uh, throwing the Gatorade on the new coach because they probably weren't sure he reacted <laughs> very well so nobody wanted to be a bad boy in that regard but Jim deserved it to give him his due and uh now the speculation will begin as to where he's going to end up. If he, if anywhere, maybe he's going to take a year off, but you never know. You do never know, and that's that's certainly one of the interesting storylines to keep an eye on this offseason, obviously, with Jim Leonard, whether he interviews for uh, you know, a, a job with the Packers again, assuming one comes open, or, or maybe he takes a year off, and then he comes back next year. We'll see. I mean, that's certainly one of the top storylines to keep an eye on You know, coming out of this game. But what, what did you make of that move, uh, Pat? Uh, Luke Fickle you know, on the stage after the game, calling Jim Leonard up. I thought it was a really classy move. Obviously, the last month had to have been kind of an awkward situation for all the guys involved, but I thought that was a classy kind of, you know, finale for for, uh, for both Luke Fickle and Jim Leonard to have him come up because he really has served as the head coach of this team the last couple of months. Well, I think that's right. I, I think that there's a, there's an ending point to it. I think it, both, both guys knew that this was going to be the finale and uh, – Jim probably just wanted to respect uh, Fickle and not sure. I mean, nobody's been in that position before, and nobody really knows what the hell to do in terms of, you know, should you be there? Should you just just go ahead and be up on top at the stage? I mean, they probably talked about what was the uh, role of each player or each uh, coach and whether this was his game or not. I mean, defensively, certainly it was his game. But I think that uh, Jim, rightly so, until he gets the the nod from Luke, I think when it was just kind of being in the background, he'd gotten his Gatorade bath. He's kind of with his family to celebrate a little bit, and I think uh, feel proud of what he had accomplished and uh, and the fact that the, it was a, the finale. And I think also Luke probably figured, listen, this is this is the right thing to do. Is just you know he he was certainly probably not the 
head coach in the way he would be a coach in a bowl game from the future standpoint. But he was just paying, making sure we don't step on any toes, kind of take it all in, and just kind of like he was scouting, so to speak. And I think that was a maybe a good thing for him to do and let Jim do his thing. And uh, it was kind of an awkward moment. I noticed it on television when they kind of just passed on the on the field and uh, and they just kind of give a short little acknowledgement and shake hands. And I, I, I don't think there's any animosity in there. I mean, you can't blame either guy for feeling that they uh, at the right place at the right time. And uh, and I think that Jim has, has got a lot of things to talk about. I mean, he doesn't really need to, to jump at any particular job right away. And I think it's really it's more of a personal thing than anything else. In terms of uh, what what's the next step for him and what he wants to do, he's got a lot of options. But uh, as we've talked many times in the in the show, that once you start down that path of coaching, it's 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 a tough it's a tough business. It's uh, yeah, it's away from home a lot. It's a family, and Jim is a family guy, and I know the situation that he had with the NFL. That's not an easy one in terms of family. I mean, I. I figured out when we had longer training camps, we would go to training camp maybe the first uh, week of July and go until September, so two months. I figured uh, of the first uh, six uh, years of my married life, I spent a whole year with a, in a dormitory with Sonny Jurgensen. So uh, yeah. the way we kind of you think it through, so there's a lot of time, aside from the, the weekly practices and things like this. So. I think he's going to probably sit down and really settle in, and it's going to be a family situation. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he went either way. I think the options are, options there are good, and uh, the questions are big, and uh, and they're important. And so uh, I think that uh, who knows? There's probably a number of people around town that say, you know, I could use a guy like him in my business and be. Uh, you know, do a, a great job, and he likes Madison that well. So, so it'll be interesting to see what happens, and, and he's going to have good options no matter what. Yeah, he certainly has a uh, a very good track record, and, and you know, I, I think a, a lot of the people in Wisconsin, you know, we we all love Jim Leonard just because he's such a great Badger, and obviously he's been such a great coordinator. But I think people lose sight of from a national viewpoint how successful he's been right he's taken interviews nationally and obviously had that interview with the Packers a few years back so he's going to have many opportunities as you alluded to a bit earlier Pat and I think sometimes we lose sight of how good he actually is and I think we'll find out you know in the next year or so whether that's in the next month or 12 months from now uh you know where he'll end up if he does decide to return to coaching which uh, I hope he does because he's he's so darn successful real quick last thing in the guarantee right bull pat um and it's I'm not asking you about Mike Gundy's haircut as much as I want to uh ch- <laughs> mullet. Ch- yeah mullet whatever the hell yeah. we want to call that it used to be <laughs> Uh, Chase Wolf uh, started a quarterback for the Badgers. Thought he played a p- pretty solid game, and then he announced after the game <clears throat> he'll be returning for a sixth season. He said, "I have my whole life to work." So, uh, what did you think of his performance on Tuesday night, and obviously of, of his announcement of returning? Well, I think you remind me of a fellow that uh, was so excited to be where he's at that he was kind of going so fast that uh, sometimes you had to slow him down a little bit. Uh, everything seemed to be in. I mean, there have been guys that, uh, whether it's Graham Mertz or other quarterbacks, 
you know, there just seems to be a tempo in there. I think everything that Chase seemed to do was saying, I, "I've got only got so many, so much time out here, and I'm going to use every minute of it, and I'm going to make all the throws and things like this." I mean, there's some decision making that uh, was questionable, I think, certainly, which we expected, and uh, I think we had a little bit of an idea that he was going to be uh, a good quarterback. I didn't realize until it was in the paper. I think it was that that uh, Luke actually had recruited him. For Cincinnati, and he's from Cincinnati, I guess. Oh, and uh, didn't realize that. But uh, I think what he did is, you know, a guy getting a guy like that in there and getting an opportunity for what he's gone through, and just a little bit of a little bit of a tease at the end of the season, and uh, and then they have a chance to kind of say, okay, now this is it. I mean, everybody in that we watched that game said. Now, wouldn't this be a kick? I, I, I kind of thought maybe he might have a shot at the most valuable player or player of the game, and, of course, they went to Braylon Allen. But that would have been really kind of icing on the cake and a really good story and uh, to win the game. I mean, I think everybody realizes that this game was odd in the sense that uh, both teams were missing quality players for different reasons and things like this, whether it's injury or whether it's a portal. Uh, and I think that they uh, were really hoping that he did a good job. Certainly when you got Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi here to hand off the ball, it makes a big difference. And uh, But he uh, he threw the ball well. He threw a couple of side armors like a, like a baseball pitcher because he had to. The guys were getting in the way. And so I think that he uh, really acquitted himself very well in that respect and get a game. I mean, I think that no matter how much playing time you get and what the the significance of that is, is at the end of the game with respect to going out in a style and winning, given the whole magnitude of the season, Paul Chris being let go, Jim Leonard and the interim coach, Luke Fickle, the injuries with respect to Devin Chandler, the tragedy in Virginia, and the type of season it was, I think to end on a high note like that is something special and something he'll take with him the rest of his life. I think you're absolutely correct. So Chase Wolf back at Wisconsin, a couple transfers coming in, a freshman coming in, and he still have Miles Burkett waiting in the wings. We'll get into the quarterback room of the Wisconsin Badgers after this. But first, of course, the Pat Richter Show, brought to you, as always, by our friends at Oak Park Place, which offers seniors and their loved ones peace of mind. Find the right balance of the care you need centered around your lifestyle. Move to a community with neighbors that become like family. Enjoy the comforts of your apartment with an abundance of events just outside your door. Whether you need independent living, assisted living, memory care, short-term rehabilitation, any of the in-betweens, Oak Park Place has you covered with locations in Janesville, Baraboo, and in Madison in the Nakoba neighborhood. Oakparkplace.com is the website. Again, oakparkplace.com for more information about our great friends over at Oak Park Place. Quarterback room talk after this. It's the Pat Richter Show on 100.5 ESPN, the New Year's Eve edition. Continuing to talk Badgers here on the Pat Richter Show on your New Year's Eve morning. I'm Alex Strove with you from the Park Bank ESPN Madison studio alongside the great Pat Richter as always. We just wrapped up a little uh, analysis, a little coverage, a little chatter about the guaranteed rate bowl win for the Wisconsin Badgers earlier this week. But that might not even be the biggest news of the week for the Wisconsin Badgers football team. So we mentioned on the other side, Pat, Chase Wolf uh, coming back 
for the Badgers in 2023, a 60-year for him. Uh, last week we found out Nick Evers, a uh, quarterback at Oklahoma, former four-star recruit, uh, will be transferring to Wisconsin. And now we found out Thursday night from ESPN's Adam Rittenberg that Southern Methodist quarterback, SMU, Tanner Mordecai, has entered the transfer portal and is expected to land at the University of Wisconsin. It's all but official. Mordecai, uh, over two seasons at SMU, threw for 72 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. In two seasons, Pat. Uh, one game this year included a nine-touchdown or passing touchdown performance against a raked Houston. He also ran for one. That's a 10-touchdown game against Houston. Did Tanner Mordecai. So that's an exciting addition for the Badgers. Obviously a guy that knows how to score the rock uh, at the quarterback position. But this room is absolutely stacked in Luke Fickle's first year. I, I don't remember a quarterback room this stacked ever at Wisconsin. No, and we've got, uh, what was it, Mulaney or yeah, two the, years from now? Yeah, the 24 recruit. Talk about Gundy's hairdo. He's got a Trevor Lawrence hairdo. Trevor Lawrence, indeed, yeah. So, well, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's, everybody figures they got an opportunity, and it's rare sometimes that you've got an opportunity to come in on an even footing and say, okay, you got a shot. And, I mean, every, quarterbacks are, are – by nature, I think, uh, very confident in, the, uh, in their abilities and that they can take on the world. And no matter who it is it's in, the, in, the, in the quarterback room, they're, they're going to be the best. And so we've also been a little bit uh, burned with respect to this business about a four-star or a five-star or a three-star or whatever. You know, I think people look at Wisconsin over a period of time and figure – that they've had more success with uh, guys that are two-star, one-stars, and walk-ons and things like this. And so, uh, but it's it's a good problem to have. And uh, I would expect that the this is kind of crazy because you you got three or four guys that are going to be given a shot, and depending on when they come in, it's probably going to be a race to get in into the maybe even the second semester if they can get in and uh, or if you're going to wait time for, for the summer come in and show what you can do but the fact is is that uh, there'll, there'll be probably some people will be leaving and it'll shorten it so that that's kind of the nature of the beast i think it is and uh, and that's what's going to be a little bit of a an issue i think just moving along for the portal in general is that you're going to get a lot of churn here you're going to get guys coming in and and how long will they last? With a week, two weeks, see the handwriting on the wall, take off, go to another school. Uh, it's going to be a little bit of a messy situation. But uh, certainly the, what, which is really uh, comforting to know is that the guys coming in have got some credentials, have got some cred. Uh, the SMU quarterback with respect to the uh, productivity and touchdowns, I mean, if you're a receiver, I mean, I, I get a little excited when you start talking about uh, guys throwing that much of the ball around, and uh, and then of course uh, Braylon Allen is probably thinking, well, not so much. And the quarterback's thinking, how oh, great is that that I've got an option to hand off to Braylon Allen or to go up over the top for a deep throw and whatever. So uh, I think those are the exciting things, and certainly uh, gives good credence to uh, the fact of why you know Luke Fickle was the guy that they brought in in the first place and uh he's got a reputation and uh and he's got some guys that are in the NFL and he's he comes from a big time program and so it's it's everything is kind of falling in place and uh, next year with the schedule the way it is it's a, it's a good time to put all these things together I think
Yeah, I, I want to touch on something you just said there, Pat. And that was, you know, we kind of had expectations for Fickle to be a an impressive recruiter and obviously be a winner, right? I mean, I think those were, were the two of the big accolades that that Fickle brought uh, that we touched on initially when he was hired about a, a month ago now, and uh, he has certainly proven that. Again, it's only been a month, and he, he has said time and time again. I don't want to use the portal a ton, but we will use it to fill some gaps. And I think quarterback was the big position we as fans and, and, and media and obviously you in your former position keeping such a close eye on this program. You know, we, we understood that quarterback will likely be that gap. And that, that might have been an understatement, right? We, we talk about the recruits on top of now the two transfer portal guys that have chosen Wisconsin and Chase Wolf. Talk about internal recruitment, right? He's going to come back for a sixth year and try to compete for that starting job. So I, I, I'm, I'm terribly impressed with Luke Fickle's ability to recruit both externally and internally. And it's something we knew coming in, but, but it's really happened very quickly. Uh, and I think that might be the most impressive part of all, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think you mentioned with Chase Wolf. I mean, you ought to be like to be a quarterback coming in and know that you got a quarterback sitting in the, in the wings over here who just uh, took you through a bowl game and won a bowl game, and he he might not even get a sniff, you know. So unless right. somebody gets hurt, and so uh, I think the important thing is now is there'll be a couple of different levels of this situation. I think one is uh, first the quarterbacks, as you mentioned, the getting quality. Uh, guys that have proven themselves in, in, the, in the ranks, so to speak. And then now, with that in hand, with, it used to be when we had Braille and Allen, the running attack, things like this, you, you try to you know, try to talk to a receiver saying, hey, come in, you be, we're going to throw the ball. I mean, you couldn't really talk in terms of very, very serious about that. I think long-term, it may be this, this transition here from a running uh, attack with uh, – Braylon Allen and Jismalusi, and and to the next iteration, this may be a one-year deal as transition. Then maybe it'll flip to a, a passing attack, more air air than ground. And so uh, it's going to be interesting to see this whole thing develop. But I think that the next step, you'd hope, and we've got a decent cadre of receivers, but also you you just need a couple of uh, guys that can really fly. And when they see this happening and uh, they talk to each other, they realize the same statistics that you mentioned just a minute ago about SMU. They're thinking, well, I'd like a little piece of that. If you guys throw in that much, I mean, I should be able to get some. So it's going to be maybe some top-notch receivers that be uh, lured away from someone else and uh, go to the portal. So uh, there's, there's going to be an evolution to this whole thing, but it's certainly starting out very well. You're spot on. Wow, I, I'm I'm amped up. I know the football season doesn't start for like another eight months, Pat, but I'm amped up to see the 2023 rendition of the Badgers. You mentioned receiver, and I, I'm with you, right? I think maybe one one more splash at that position could be necessary. But Badgers are returning most of their receivers, right? Chim DK will be back. Skylar Bell, who's only a freshman and, and thought he had a really nice freshman season given the circumstances, uh, will be back. Obviously, Marcus Allen, uh, you know, takes his name out of the portal and, and will return to Wisconsin so most of that room is returning which I think is a, a positive because uh, you know prior to the 2022 season I feel like this receiver room was one of the most gushed about parts of of this 2022 team now obviously you know things didn't go their way uh, as, as as a whole but I'm intrigued to see with a new quarterback 
that may be just a little bit more capable than an air raid system, you know, how that complements the existing wide receivers. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see. That'll be one of the most intriguing storylines for me heading into 2023. I'm excited, Pat. Are you as excited yeah. as I am? Yeah, as a receiver, I think you get really excited. Yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> like we go back to the old days of the uh, the Veer, you know, and that was like death to a receiver. But uh, now you see the, and I think you see that what these guys can really do now. I mean, they've done a good job. DK, for example, uh, what does he move to the next step in terms of uh, you getting a little more of a running uh, giddy up in your step than saying, well. You know, you're always back in your mind thinking we're going to turn it off, turn it over to Braylon and let him run it. And then I mean, just kind of you pick a spot here and there. And uh, and I think that this is going to be exciting for them as well. And, and this is really, I think, the culmination of uh, kind of putting things together. But there's going to be pieces of everything. There's going to be there are different running tacks and different uses of the running. The what Long was going to do. You got to look back at North Carolina, what they've done. And everything seems to be very more up up tempo and uh, and passing, and I think that it's it's probably an easier mix for the the linemen in terms of uh, getting guys that not only can pass block but a running block and do those jobs in terms of now passing attack. I mean, I look at it from the standpoint of the NFL as well. I mean, certainly if you're looking at the NFL, you're looking at Guys that can pass protect, especially on the left side, uh, the importance of that, and the uh, pass running, or running attacks. But also the main thing is that there's going to be more passers and runs in the, in the NFL. And so I think in terms of getting a well-rounded line you know, to uh, to handle the passing attack is going to be a very good way of evolutioning from the running attack, I think, and that's everybody's doing that. Everybody's going to be getting exciting. The air raid attack and things like that, I mean, that's where it's at. I think we yeah. certainly suffer a little bit with the weather-wise, but I think we get through that as 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 everybody else does, like the pack does, and I, I think excitement is the right word, and you said you're, you're amped up and things like this. I think everybody will, and hopefully you can pull through on it. Yeah, we're going to need Skylar Bell to do his best Pat Richter <clears throat> impression, like uh, the 1962 Rose Bowl when you had 11 receptions in that game. Pat, we need we need Skylar Bell doing that, like on the on the weekly. We need the Rose Bowl period. Uh, <laughs> but I think it's certainly when you, well, you have to realize when you get into the Rose Bowl or any of those big bowl games and you catch a lot of passes, there's one reason for that. The, one, the reason is you're behind and you got to throw the ball to catch up. So. Well, you, sometimes it's kind of a double-edged sword. I also tell people, I said, well, because we, uh, J.J. Stokes in the bowl game in 94, uh, he broke the record, and uh, everybody said, what do you think about that? I said, that's great, because you knew he behind. You have to catch passes to catch up. That's why they throw the ball. They try to get quick hit and uh, score, and it always means you're behind, so that's a good sign if you're an opponent. No doubt. And, uh, yeah, Chimray DK uh, tied uh, your, your third-place standing for single-game single, single game touchdowns, three receiving touchdowns against Northwestern this year. Hopefully uh, maybe somebody can tie that or top that a couple times next year. New offense, plenty of excitement uh, here in Madison for the Wisconsin Badgers. All right, speaking of excitement, the Packers are back, I think. Seven and eight, they got a big game on Sunday against the Minnesota Vikings. We'll dive into that next. It's the Pat Richter Show right here on ESPN Madison. I'm stepping to your toe to toe. I should be scared, honey, maybe so. But I am worried about it right now. 
We're talking a little Packers. I'm all in on the Packers. I'm right back. They've got my hopes back up just so they can break my heart. It's the Pat Richter Show on your New Year's Eve morning. I'm Alex Stroke with you from Park Bank ESPN Madison Studios. As always, chatting with former UW Athletic Director, former NFL receiver, Pat Richter. And Pat, talk me off the ledge maybe a little bit. The Green Bay Packers beat the Miami Dolphins last week on Christmas Day. They're 7-8. and eight. They're well alive. They've pretty much got to win their last two games. And they get in. They also need a loss from your former team, the Commanders. But a uh, big matchup with the 12-3 and three Minnesota Vikings this Sunday at Lambeau Field. The Packers currently listed, as we record, as three-and-a-half-point favorites. So Vegas uh, swaying the way of Green Bay, who's now won three in a row, and somehow their season is still alive. I don't know how we got here. But uh, how, how are you feeling about the Packers right now, Pat? Because I'm all the way back invested, which is probably a bad thing. I'm excited about it, but I think uh, the, the, my worst nightmare is those doggone Vikings. I don't give a darn what they're supposed to do or how they're going to do it, but they just have been eking things out. I mean, the number of single-score games that they've won is just incredible, and uh, and then the weather's going to be halfway decent, so they're, they, we can't really use that advantage anywhere if, in fact, it was an advantage. But I think that... Uh, you know, this is the stuff that uh, Rogers thrives on. I mean, he just uh, he just loves this kind of stuff, and uh, and and there's a nastiness about the Vikings that that we have to we have to match that tempo. I think in terms of whether it's Harris Smith, uh, Zadarius uh, is going to play, and and those guys are nasty. But they they've got their the the division clinched already. And so, with some respect, of you know, you got to step back off the pedal a little bit, and uh, guys don't want guys to get injured and things like this. There's a real risk there of that happening, and and it kind of promotes a, a tentativeness that uh, sometimes you run into some problems with injuries and things like that. So, they've kind of been in a, a difficult spot. I mean, they're not, they're not going to go all out. I don't think to win this at all costs. And as somebody got a little bit of a tweak, uh, Delvin Cook is a little, but maybe a little bit of a hamstring or something like that. They're going to take it easy with guys. I think the Packers can afford to run some some things and do some risky things, maybe and maybe open up a little bit in terms of how they're going to cover Jefferson and whether or not he plays the whole game. Uh, those kinds of things. I think that there's a, a feeling on their part that say that they want to maybe do the best job they can and make sure the Packers don't qualify because I think that's probably one of the things that they look at as saying that's our worst nightmare too is to have them come back and then they come and play indoors at our place and whatever. And so I, 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 I'm not sure why the the spread is the way it is that they're favored or rather than the fact that they say, well, if it went to you, They've won the uh, the division. Everything kind of backs off a little bit, and they take it easy, and and because it just doesn't seem to be make sense because of the records and things like this. I think they feel the Packers are going to be a little bit stronger than they maybe were thought of with Bakhtiari maybe coming back. But uh, the question about Watson and, uh, and you know, it's just going to be a little bit. Tentative, and I think they're probably hedging their bet a little bit on that with regards to him. It is the Pat Richter Show. Alex Strofe, Pat Richter with you talking Packers-Vikings coming up tomorrow. Big game for the Packers. Must win. they they got to win their next two games in order to get in. But, Pat, I, I struggle with the Vikings at 12-3 and because I don't think they're actually that good of a team. As you mentioned, they're 10-0. They have 12 wins on the air. 
10 of those are in one-score games, which is just ridiculous. It's, it's an NFL record by a mile. Uh, they're 10-0 in one-score games. All three of their losses have been double-digit losses. So when they lose, they lose big. Um, and only two wins that weren't uh, double digits, uh, or weren't, weren't one-score games, excuse me, uh, this year, including week one against the Packers, which was a 23-7 to final. But this Vikings defense ranks bottom five in, in points allowed per game, yards allowed per game, and pass yards allowed per game in the National Football League. So if the, if the Packers offense, which we've been waiting for them to get going, needs a game to get going, I think it would be Sunday against the Vikings at Lambeau Field. So fingers crossed the Packers offense can actually get to that 30-point threshold this week. Well, I would agree with you, but it's just for some reason. Whenever we play the Vikings, they reach back for something back there and play their best games, and they're nasty about it. They're tough physically and whatever, and so hopefully maybe they're kind of worn out with all these close games and everything, and plus the fact that they won the division until you know, bite off this Packers if they get them later around in the playoffs. And so I think that they – that's the dilemma that they had is in terms of playing everybody to the hilt and then keeping the Packers out of the playoffs or saying, well, we'll get them at our place if we have to and, uh, and we can always take them there. But, you know, it's amazing. I, I just, it, it's, it has nothing to do with what their stats are, where how well they've played or things like this or eking it out or whatever. Some reason when the Packers get up there, they just they turn blue or something or other because they just go after them and and it makes it very difficult. And Cousins, you know, he just uh, done a great job with uh, Jefferson, and uh, and I think the cold weather might have gotten him a little bit of a little bit of a disadvantage. But now the weather's going to be halfway decent anyway. He can manage the 40 degree weather and and. Uh, but I, I just – it's one of those things where the Packers are going to have to play their best game. I, one of their best games, I think it is, and, and they play very, very difficult uh, circumstances with Jefferson and uh, Dalvin Cook and uh, Thielen. The guys the guys always seem to jump up and do it. But Zedaria Smith is you – know, that that one, I think, it provides motivation for the Packers. And I think it seems like there's a little bit of – a little bit of a uh, locker room stuff going on in there, so I, I think that uh, it's going to be a, a tight game. And uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, I'm wrong, but it's uh, one more. And I, because I think that there is a good chance that they would get in if you just keep winning. Commanders are going to lose, and uh, every I mean to have four games fall like they did last week is unbelievable. No doubt about it. Uh, this is uh, this is a big game, the big game feel for the Packers on Sunday against the Vikings at Lambeau Field. A, a must win, as I keep calling it. Uh, do you feel at this point, Pat? Because we talked about it at the top. Like we're both very invested again, right? We're both right back in it after thinking this season was pretty much over. Do you think they can do it? Got to win them both. Need a commander's loss. Who, who the commanders have turned back to Carson Wentz, which is a, another discussion in and of itself. But uh, do you think the Packers can actually get in at this point? I do. I think that they can get in. I think that uh, they're they're peaking. I think, ironically, I think the, the time off they had probably helped them in that regard in terms of the bye week. When it looked like it was going to be a uh, not a good thing to have and. Uh, and I think that the uh, teams that are losing the games are not on, they're all kind of up and down where the Packers are riding on a three-game win streak. 
So I think everything is in our favor. And, uh, of course, Rodgers is a wild card. And I don't think he's played his best ball yet this fall. And hopefully that thumb is feeling a little bit better. I'm a little concerned about his uh, his uh, leg, but uh, that's, he seems like he's got a little bit of everything, leg, ribs, you know, thumb, a little bit of everything. But to see him run with a little bit of a spirit that he had before, yeah. and the fact I think that adds another dimension to it, is that uh, you can get all the pack pass rush that you want, but if he can run a few times like that, I think he's going to be really very effective. And so I like the Packers. I really do. And I think they can win out, and that's a big if. Like I say, I'm scared to death of the Vikings for whatever reason. I'm not sure. But it's just Minnesota, <laughs> I guess. And so it's one of those things. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, well, you've got me fully invested now, Pat, because when you tell me to get invested, that 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 only ramps it up a little bit. Oh, so. I think you got there before I did, probably. Yeah, that's probably fair. I've I've been here, I think, since they. <laughs> yeah, uh, time to think it over when you're a little bit feeling poorly. Yeah, when I when I was sick in bed last week, uh, all I was thinking was, okay, if they win Christmas Day against the Dolphins, uh, I was doing all the math. I had a, I had a full. Uh, chart on a, on a whiteboard, you know. I'm just kidding, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm breaking down every possibility. So uh, hopefully they can get a win Sunday, and the next week we're talking about all right, winning you're in against Detroit. But we will see. We'll wrap up the Pat Richter show after this. I need to take a breath uh, in this commercial break as uh, we'll talk a little Wisconsin hockey. They just finished up the quick trip face off at Pfizer Forum. A discussion about rink sizes. We'll dive into all that and more with Pat Richter as we wrap it up after this right here on ESPN Madison. In Pat Richter show, the New Year's Eve edition here on 100.5 ESPN, ESPN app, and Wisconsin on demand. We are, of course, brought to you by our friends at Oak Park Place Senior Living Communities. I'm Alex Stroke, as always, with the former UW athletic director, the great Pat Richter. Uh, Pat, so we know you're, you're a hockey guy. You, you've got, obviously, your son was an incredibly successful hockey player. Uh, all the hockey backgrounds. Uh, so the, the Badgers men's hockey team just wrapped up uh, playing in a small tournament over at uh, Pfizer Forum in Milwaukee, but the ring size is, is something that's popped up. Bring me into this. We were talking a little bit off the air about this, but but fill me in on the ring size controversy that's been going on. Well, at the time we built the Coal Center, a lot of discussion was going to Olympic size rinks, and uh, and that was so the rink size at the Coal Center was bigger than the Coliseum and bigger than the NHL rinks. The NHL rinks are basically 85 feet wide and maybe a little bit longer or wider in some cases. But the international rinks are like 100 or 97 and things like this. The Coal Center, Le Bon is a little bit larger. But there's been a lot of talk about the fact that the game is so much different and the fact that the NHL rinks are smaller that the NHL products, which doesn't seem to be holding our case, are interested in going to a place with a smaller rink because they get better training for their NHL career. And so in that regard, I think they're losing some people in recruiting. That's some talk. I think Tony plays played much of his game on a smaller rink, which I think he likes. And so there's been discussion about that. I think the geometry, I think, of the cost of changing is about 2 and a half to $3 million. Which I think would be 
uh, if in fact it's, it's a, got a good investment, I think it would be money well spent because it's, the attendance is down, the excitement is not there. Smaller rinks provide more exciting things to happen, so you'd have to retrofit some of the seating on the sides. But I think that this is something that's got to be looked at very seriously because I think there's uh, no reason why we shouldn't be in the top ranks in terms of uh, hockey and maybe that has something to do with it. It seems like uh, the Olympic-sized rinks has kind of stalled that effort. There's only a couple of schools now that have it uh, that way. And uh, and so I think that uh, it's a little bit wide open, and you have to have the right kind of people to play that. But most of the people are kind of geared towards the NHL-sized rinks, and I think that's something that the UW is going to look at, and I think it's – money well spent in this situation i think so uh, fill me in because i'm not the biggest hockey guy in the world pat but is there not a regulated ice size for for college hockey or is it just there's a discussion of changing it no there's no regulated size i mean you're basically on your own yeah and that's why a lot of schools are going to the international size rink because of the that was just kind of moving for some reason it stopped i'm not sure why i think they realized that the bigger game which is maybe European is is quicker game and and a lot of skating, but is maybe not as exciting and physical, which is what they want. And smaller rinks provide a little bit more excitement in that regard. And uh, and most of the players that are thinking about going on to play professional hockey are thinking that size. And so that may be something. There's something something is amiss because you know we just normally aren't. Uh, this unsuccessful and we've not been doing well and there's a reason for it maybe it has to do with the size of the rink there's something to do it and uh and i think that that's something they've got to really think to, seriously to think through especially with all the a lot of the money tv monies and whatever to provide something that is maybe long term is very beneficial is going to be something that should be looked at closely i think that is uh, that is really interesting. I guess I didn't realize that that there there was not regulation. Size. So like in basketball, no. right? Every court is the same size. In football, yeah. obviously, we know that is obviously the same size everywhere. I did not realize hockey can kind of be you know fluctuated one way or another. That's that's really interesting. You learn something new every day, I guess. So yeah, uh, we now as you mentioned that I think you know, volleyball is, is uniform. Everything's uniform except for maybe hockey. I think. Hmm. What do you know? Interesting. Well, uh, the men's hockey team kind of having an, uh, an interesting year here, Pat. Obviously, uh, not a ton of wins on the board so far from them. They got one down at uh, that that tournament in um, in Milwaukee, but eight and twelve overall record as we record, and uh, a rough one and nine in conference play and Big Ten play this year for the men's hockey team. So, hopefully, they can turn it around. But certainly, hasn't been a a great stretch, a memorable stretch for Wisconsin hockey so far this year. No, it's been a tough year, and I think that uh, you know we, they, when they first were brought in, the coaching staff to change. I mean, on paper, everything looked terrific, and for one reason or another, whether the pandemic had something to do with it, and uh, and the other teams getting beefed up, you know, that's the thing that's kind of surprising is that, you know the Bemidji's of the Mankato States, uh, you know, Minnesota State, and. Uh, and even just the Clarksons and the you know, smaller schools like that. When it comes to hockey, there's such a big, wide recruiting range, Canada, you know, the world, basically, that uh, many schools, for whatever reason, you know, that's uh, whether that's the size of the rink, whether it's academics, or whether they're just coming, they like a smaller environment. 
are able to field uh, very successful teams. And so I think somehow we've got to peel that old thing back to find out just what the reasons why, because we should, with our facilities and, and the resources and things like that that we've got, uh, and the fans, you don't want to lose those loyal fans that we've had very much over the years that have really caused Wisconsin hockey to be kind of in the forefront and when it was the Coliseum and things like that. We've got to get that back. And uh, I'm not I'm not sure that what the reason is, but somebody's going to be have to look find out whether it's ring size or whatever. Something is amiss, but uh, they'll sort it out. I'm sure. They always do, especially with uh, the new guy, Chris McIntosh, at the helm. Well, that'll do it for the Pat Richter Show, not only today, but for the calendar year of 2022. We'll be back next Saturday. We'll roll into 2023, but that'll do it for 2022. Pat, hope you enjoy your new year. Uh, thanks for all the great conversation here in, uh, here in 2022 and excited to do it again in 23. Okay, thanks, Alex. Be healthy. Will do, my friend. Right back at you. He's Pat Richter. I'm Alex Strope. This has been the Pat Richter Show right here on 100.5 ESPN, the ESPN app, and Wisconsin on